You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. This podcast may cause dizziness, confusion, bloating, uncontrollable laughter, and in some cases, anal leakage. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey, this is episode number 15 of Excuse Me, That's Illegal podcast that takes a hardcore look at some softcore crimes. I'm your boy Leroy, coming at you straight out of the closet with more tales of mischievous mayhem. Quick announcement here, the show has reached a milestone that I'm quite proud of today. A couple hours ago, excuse me, that's illegal, just received its 100,000th download. (laughs) A little less than four months in. That's huge. So thank you so much to everyone who's been listening couldn't have done it without you. That's a pretty obvious statement, I suppose. But seriously, thank you. And please keep spreading the word because we've only just begun. I plan on adding a few more zeros to that total before it's all said and done. So go ahead and help yourself to a cupcake. They're still warm. I just baked them this morning. Moving on, we will be entering the world of garden gnomes today. It's going to be a cute yet creepy one. The first and most likely the last time I'll be covering these creatures of the garden variety. So get your popcorn ready, throw on your most comfy track pants, put your feet up, let your hair down, and enjoy the show. Ah, but before we get into it, you know I like to start things off with a joke. This one comes along with a recent five-star review I received on Apple Podcasts. The reviews are getting up there. I have 425 of them as of right now getting very close to 500. Another milestone. (laughs) How about once I get over 5,000 of these reviews, I'll lay off and quit harassing you for them. Okay, deal. 
So keep clicking those five-star reviews and let's reach that goal together. Uh, this joke comes from Gazapp666 from Great Britain, and they say, Hey, I bought some shoes off of a drug dealer. I don't know what he laced them with, but I've been tripping all day. <laughs> that sound means? Let us cruise these suburban streets as I serenade you with another tale of low-level true crime. And don't worry, my friends. I promise to have you back home in time to water your flowers. number 15, Gnome Sweet Gnome. Back in the late 90s in my teenage years, there was a beautiful park not too far away from our house. It had a couple baseball diamonds, a tennis court, soccer field, a lacrosse court, or rink. I don't know what they play on. It was this big fenced-in oval thing with benches. Teenagers would smoke weed and get drunk in there. It was pretty great. I actually lost my virginity in there. Ah, 30 seconds of magic I'll never forget. Anyways, I used to walk across this park to get to my friend's place. There were always people going through there. A lot of foot traffic. And sitting on the edge of this park was a house with a large, neatly manicured front lawn. With a pond and garden and, of course, to top it all off, about seven or eight lawn gnomes. I remember this place well because people would cut across the corner of the lot. You know, a shortcut. A grumpy old man lived there. He'd always be yelling at the kids to get off his lawn. I thought he was a jerk, which he was, but now that I'm older and have a house of my own, with a lawn that the neighborhood kids cut across, I get his frustration. Especially on a rainy day, the grass gets all torn up and muddy. It's a mess. We never really screwed with this guy as teenagers, although I'm sure other people did. It wasn't until I was 20 when a few of us were sitting around having some beers one night, bored, talking about the good old days, when someone brought up the grumpy old man and his garden gnomes. Next thing we know, one thing led to another. About 20 minutes later, hoodies up, we found ourselves trespassing onto his property and stealing his most precious lawn ornament. I call it a lawn ornament because this one wasn't the typical tiny elf you'd associate with garden gnomes. Sure, he had those strewn about his property, but this one was different. He was four feet tall, a boy wearing a cap and holding a lantern. We grabbed it and brought it back to my apartment. There it sat for almost a year in the corner collecting dust. It was sad, really, and felt pretty pointless and not a fate this poor little boy deserved. So on the one-year anniversary of the kidnapping, we decided to return him back to his rightful owner, right back to the exact spot from which we had taken him. But with one small twist, we snapped his head off and threw it in the trash. I wish I could have seen the old man's face when he came out into his yard and saw that his prized lawn ornament was back where it belonged. The range of emotions he must have felt within a three-second span. First happiness, then confusion, followed by anger and despair. Okay, today we are entering the strange world of garden gnomes. Polarizing figures, aren't they? People seem to either love or hate the little guys. 
It is thought that gnomes originated sometime in the early 1800s in Germany. They were made strong back then, from clay. Not like the majority of the cheap plastic type dollar store jobbies you find these days. They were then popularized in England when folks started putting them in their gardens sometime in the 1840s and it just kind of took off from there. At least that's according to an article I read titled History of Gnomes. Sounds legit. I don't really want to get into the folklore behind them and all that because I just, I just don't really care. So read up on that in your own time if you'd like. One thing I can say for certain is these gnomes seem to bring out the mischievous side of people. As long as there's gnomes and lawn ornaments decorating gardens, I can assure you there will be teenagers, college students, even adults messing with them. Stealing them, borrowing them, posing them in provocative ways. 69ers, bending them over. You can use your imagination. The options are endless. So many stories I could have chosen. So I picked a couple of tales, the first one coming from B.C., British Columbia. That's right, we're back in Canada for this one, eh, bud? We're in Langford, which is a city on southern Vancouver Island in the province of British Columbia. I hear it's beautiful there. Never been. It is Thursday, July 16th, 2020. This one's fresh. Happened less than five months ago. It's 2.24 in the a.m. Why such an exact time, Leroy? I'm glad you asked. Because we have 20 seconds of footage from a security camera out front of a home, and it comes via ring.com. You're a leader in home security. Once again, not a sponsor, but it comes up a lot. Why would Ring or McDonald's pay me for advertising when I just happily do it for free? Gotta start playing hard to get. So at 2.24 a.m., a mystery man enters the picture, about six feet tall, long and lanky, probably early 20s, wearing a baggy clothing, and he's sporting what I like to call the douchebag combo, which is a ponytail with socks and sandals. No offense to any listeners out there with that style. Well, you should be slightly offended, but let's soldier on. This guy sneaks up to the front porch and snatches two gnomes and a ceramic-looking turtle. Then, just like that, he gone. It wasn't until later that afternoon, when homeowner Heather Boggs was out front preparing to do a little gardening, that she realized what had happened. I have some quotes coming up from an interview conducted by CTV News. Heather quote, I went to put my garden gloves on the stove, where I always do it, and I was like, there's a lot of space here. And then I was like, where are my gnomes? End quote. She has a small, antique-looking stove on her porch, in case you were confused by that stove reference. This made Heather check the camera footage, and she saw the caper that occurred in the middle of the night. She then posted the video on Facebook, along with a warning to her friends and neighbors. That's when Cher Gosling who lives down the road, realized she too had fallen victim. I'm just going to mash all the Cher Gosling quotes together. She's a character. Kind of looks like a witch. She's wearing a black hat, hair dyed black with dark sunglasses, and a black shirt that says, Be kind, be calm, be safe. Groan. I like her though. Mishmashed Cher Gosling quotes. What a loser. I get this isn't the crime of the century. It just gives you a horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach. He stole my welcome gnome that's at the end of the driveway. He just sits on a little bench. A couple of them I even got from the dollar store. End quotes. Thanks, Cher. Take care. Bye bye now. This situation so far is fairly basic. You probably don't even feel bad for these people. But there is more to the story. Heather quote, 
They're stupid little garden things, but they actually hold value to me. End quote. You see, Heather Boggs is a fighter, a survivor, because she recently just kicked breast cancer's ass. After her final chemo treatment, her mom gifted her one of those gnomes, so needless to say, it held priceless sentimental value to her. Heather and Cher told the RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, about the thefts, but this went nowhere. To quote my friend Robin Warder, I guess you could say, the trail went cold. Until about a month later in August, on a lazy Sunday, when Heather received a knock at her front door. Three strangers stood there holding a bag they found at the end of her driveway. They read, Please return to Heather. Amazing. Yeah, see, she received a couple similar-looking gnomes from friendly townsfolk, but it wasn't the same, and she always held out hope the originals would make it back to her, some way, somehow. Heather, quote, I wasn't ready to let go. I always wondered whether they were shattered on the side of the road or inside someone's house, end quote. The bag contained the turtle figurine and the gnome given to her by her mother, along with a note that read, Huh, I'm really sorry about this incident. Was not my finest moment. A game of truth or dare that got out of hand. Your fight and success with beating cancer inspires me. Again, I'm so sorry. If I'd known the circumstances, I'd never have done this. Best wishes. It would have been funny if he signed his name after. Damn it. So there we go. A happy ending to this mystery. Good for Pony Boy for ponying up and returning, well, two of the three items. Just some neighborhood kids having fun. And like he said, he didn't mean any harm by it. The other one probably got smashed. Not sure if Cher got her gnomes back, but that's not really important. Final quote from Heather to finish this thing off. I was losing respect for the neighborhood until I saw this note. It's very kind. But I hope he won't do it again. If it's not yours, don't take it. Great advice, girlfriend. And that concludes our first story. Love it when a mystery gets solved and the family receives closure. Especially in a kidnapping like this one. With a very rare, happy ending. It's not only teens and young adults that do this sort of thing. A 53-year-old man in France was arrested for allegedly stealing more than 170 gnomes and figurines. They were found displayed in his garden. When word got out of this bust, the phones were ringing off the hook with hopeful residents calling in to retrieve their stolen friends. The man had repainted most of them, so getting the gnomes back to their owners was proving difficult. I didn't get the guy's name and if he was charged, so didn't bother featuring this story due to lack of details. I could probably start a whole other podcast strictly on garden gnome thefts. I'm sure everyone's hometown has a story. There's a lot of them in the news and in articles, but that's not even scratching the surface. No doubt 99% are never reported. Don't worry, I'm not going to start that podcast. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. But hey, any of you listening out there can take that idea and run with it if you like. I'd even volunteer to be a guest on your show. Stealing gnomes isn't really that badass. In extreme cases, surely someone can get charged with theft, perhaps trespassing. But more than likely, if ever caught, you'd probably just receive a stern warning, maybe a slap on the wrist. I wonder if Kim Jong-un has any gnomes in his garden. If so, I'd advise against taking one of those. You'd probably be murdered on sight. I just quickly had to check if I had any North Korean listeners out there. Sadly, no. 11 downloads in South Korea. Shout out to my sole listener in South Korea. Moving on. The gnome napper in France had worked alone. 
but originally it was thought that the thefts were pulled off by a group known as the Front de Liberation des Nains de Jardin. Nailed it. Which translated in English is the Garden Gnome Liberation Front, the GGLF. One of their largest chapters are located in France. There are other groups too, Free the Gnomes and the Red Gnome Army to name a couple. I don't want to talk about these too much. It seems like an elaborate joke, I think. I hope. These groups are kind of cultish, really just jokers who are all about liberating gnomes and placing them back in their natural habitat. They claim that these gnomes are basically being held hostage against their will and, quote, forcing gnomes to stand in gardens without just compensation is immoral, end quote. They also urge gnomes to rise up and break the bonds of slavery. Some people smash the gnomes to free their spirit. There's a group in Oregon. They usually warn the individuals first with a letter in the mail, telling the gnome owner what they've done wrong and then giving them the opportunity to hand the gnome over to them without incident. I'm sure that goes over well. There was one incident I found morbidly hilarious. In the city of Brie in France in 1998, 11 of the little guys were found under a bridge, dangling by their necks in an apparent mass suicide. There was a note found beside them saying, When you read these few words, we will no longer be part of your selfish world, where we merely serve as pretty decoration. I would have loved to see the police putting up caution tape, treating this like a crime scene, while curious onlookers tried to sneak a peek, family members of the gnomes bursting out in tears. Certainly a sight to behold. There were lots of these gnome-freeing groups popping up everywhere, some official, some not-so-official. Specifically in the late 90s, early 2000s, they were extremely popular. Special treat? I know a guy who knows a guy who was part of one of these groups. Here he is, from an undisclosed location, to tell his story. Thank you for having me on, Leroy, and for offering to protect my identity. This is a difficult thing to talk about. I shouldn't be speaking about this because, although I'm not an active member, the GLF is out there and they don't easily forgive or forget. If this gets out there that I'm talking about the organization, I don't know how much time I'll have. I am one of the few members that have ever made it out. You know, there's, there's not a lot of 30-year-old people that would admit they spent most of their waking hours of their teenage years stealing garden gnomes. My name is Tim. I was a member of the GLF, the Gnome Liberation Front. We took good gnomes from bad homes. I call it youthful idealism, but maybe I was just naive. The GLF is a collection of various independent cells working towards similar goals. Most cells never have any direct contact with any other. I didn't know this until years later. If you look it up online, there's a worldwide organization, so... Not only was I a dumbass kid, I was also unoriginal. But this is my story. It isn't any different than any others. It was 12 years ago, when I was in high school. I was recruited by a fellow student, let's call him Mr. Big. Mr. Big and I had gotten high and were bored, and we were traveling through a local neighborhood and came across Todd Nomington. Todd was an ancient garden gnome, paint-chipped, sun-beaten, nearly frozen in the muck of an unkempt yard, and I couldn't tell you why we did what we did. Maybe it was a Mother Teresa-like selfless heroism, but 
We had Todd bundled up and down the road before we really thought anything about it. A week went by, and then another. Todd never left our side. A deep and lasting bond was formed in that time. Todd was an instant hit with the rest of the guys. Anywhere we went, Todd went. The mall, parties, school trips. Discretion was key, but in a counterintuitive move, we started a Facebook page celebrating his liberation. As we drove around the low-rent garbage city we grew up in, yard after yard we spotted more gnomes, like internment camps for bad taste. These gnomes had these blank, listless stares and were arranged on the lawns of the well-to-do. We were pushed into doing something, anything, but we needed a crew. Recruitment was tricky, word had spread and folks did want to come forward to help, but the more people involved, the more likely someone's going to rat you out. What we were looking for was both people with passion and intelligence to pull this off, combined with a personality that would leave them with very little social obligation on a Saturday night. Our cell consisted of a sober driver, a lookout, daytime spotters, and a navigator, each of us taking turns as runner going out and grabbing the gnomes. The government doesn't like us. They didn't want us to do this. They would label us minor annoyances, dateless teenagers, stoners without anything better to do than petty theft. Call us whatever you want. We were freedom fighters. For a long time, things were good. We liberated dozens and dozens of gnomes. A pair of GLF members had designed a holding facility. The closet under the basement stairs in their parents' home to give the gnomes respite before we could deliver them to freedom. That is until our underground gnome railroad was discovered. Apparently, good people can see the suffering of others, and all they can comprehend is that their downstairs closet is full of lawn ornaments that their weird kids brought home with their loser friends. We were given no choice but to free the gnomes. Man, I, I I don't regret what I did, but the gnome oppression is something that most people just don't care about. It was difficult, but uh, we decided that the teacher we tortured in school might just be the best fit to care for these gnomish refugees. We found out where his house was. Actually, we knew where it was because for three years we'd been moving for sale signs onto his lawn at least once a week. Our greatest and final mission was underway. We loaded up two car trunks full of gnomes and drove to this beloved teacher's home and unloaded them under the cover of night in a massive semicircle facing all the gnomes towards the front door. In an unwinnable war, we had a victory. A partial victory, at least, because we never found out if that was actually his house. I hope so, because if it wasn't, we had spent years pestering an innocent homeowner. So... You were going to change my voice in this, too, and just... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'll do that. I'll make a note of that right now, so I don't forget while I'm editing. Well, that was intense. Thank you, Tim? Did he share his name? Maybe I'll bleep that out, too, when I edit. Anyways, fascinating stuff. Okay, now let's dig into our final story about a gnome named Norm. There's a movie called The Adventures of a Gnome Named Norm, and I own it on VHS, unfortunately. It's terrible. A buddy cop movie made in 1990 starring Anthony Michael Hall. It's about a Los Angeles police detective who teams up with a gnome to solve a murder. 
Yes, it's as ridiculous as it sounds. That movie is fiction, but the story I'm about to tell you is all too real. We're going to Swindon for this one, which is a town in the county of Wiltshire, southwest England. It's Tuesday, July 17th, 2012, a nice summer day, when Lorraine Deering checks the mail at her home and makes a grisly discovery. Before we go any further, I just wanted to point out that it was the Swindon Advertiser, a newspaper that Lorraine actually works for as a sales executive, that first broke the story. Judging by her photo, Lorraine's a no-nonsense kind of gal, so this story is probably real. I'm just letting you know the details, because maybe she did this to sell newspapers. Anywho, she checks her mail and finds a note with a photograph. The photo has Norm, her gnome, being held hostage with a large kitchen knife under his chin. The ransom note, scrawled on blue stationery, reads, Unless you want him beheaded, you need to leave 1,000p outside by Friday the 20th of July. I know you wouldn't want this to happen, so listen to me. Leave the money in your beautiful hanging baskets. If it's not there, then you don't want to know what will happen to them. Wow, scary stuff indeed. Let's get a quote from Lorraine. I got home from work and didn't notice he was missing, but then I looked through the post and saw the note. I just want him back and I don't know what to do. He is a part of my garden. It just doesn't look the same without him gone. End quote. Lorraine had Norman for two years. They have history together. When Augusta Wynn knocked him over one day, his hand broke off and she glued it back together. Lorraine's befuddled by the whole situation. She says, quote, We have about 12 other ornaments in the garden, and there are some really interesting ones that are worth money. I don't understand why anyone would take Norman. He was just standing by himself on a piece of grass by the living room window. There's no way I'm paying that ransom. They've also asked for the money in my hanging baskets and 1,000 pennies. If I put 1,000 pennies in them, they'd fall down. It would be too heavy for them. End quote. This part confused me. If the weight of the pennies is what's stopping her from paying the ransom, she may be in luck. Being in England, I assumed 1,000 P meant 1,000 pounds. Regardless, she wasn't willing to go along with the kidnapper's demands. I'm not paying the ransom. I probably only paid a fiver for him. She retorted. This has to be teenagers. The scribbly writing looks like that of a teenage boy. Nice touch with the photograph with a knife. Maybe a little overboard. This is a story that wouldn't have hit the news if Lorraine didn't work for the paper. She probably mentioned it to one of her colleagues, and they said, What a scoop! This needs to go in the paper ASAP. Lorraine did seem on edge and was worried about Norm's well-being and the fate of her baskets. Concerned Lorraine, quote, he looks like he's going to get it in the picture, and they are also threatening my hanging baskets. They only went up at the weekend, and I admit, I did check they were still there. I'm just hoping whoever it is has the heart to return them to me. Lorraine didn't report this incident to the police. There were no follow-up stories, and a quick Facebook search for Lorraine led nowhere. I'm going to send an email to the Swindon Advertiser and let you know any updates if they respond. And on that note, we are back. That's a wrap on episode number 15, Gnome Sweet Gnome. Crazy world we live in. I'm sure you guys have stories of gnome shenanigans as well. Everyone probably does. They really are easy targets, just standing in gardens, practically begging to be taken. 
As always, I want to thank Steffi for voicing the disclaimer, the operator for the sweet, sweet theme music, and my boo for editing this episode. Special thanks to my boy Tim for sharing his story of a very dark time in his life. Tim actually hosts a podcast that I really enjoy called The Midnight Owl. It's a real hoot. He's covered a variety of interesting topics such as ghosts, the Heaven's Gate cult, and he even did an episode on garden gnomes. If this topic interests you, he did a much deeper dive into the crazy world of gnomes than I did. I'll put a link to his show in the show notes. Okay, it's that time again where we hear a listener story involving a softcore crime. I'm going to make this jingle pop a little more eventually, get some background music going, so bear with me in the meantime. So let's get criminal, criminal, I want to get criminal. Here is Travis with his story. Hey, Leroy. My name's Travis. Loving the podcast. Keep it up. I've been working in law enforcement for 15 years now, and my story comes from a little different perspective. I work for the Sheriff's Department here in the States, and at the beginning of our career, we're tasked to work the jails and as correctional officers. Uh, One night, I was working the intake and processing area. A guy came in. We'll call him Steve. Steve was a rather large guy, he was probably 6'7", 6'8", 275, 300 pounds, just huge guy, all muscle. Um, I began fingerprinting him, and his hands were as big as baseball mitts. Being new to law enforcement, I was curious what his charges were. I asked him what he came in for. Steve said with a real soft voice, he seemed almost scared, assault with a deadly weapon. I'm thinking to myself, man, this guy's hands must be registered as deadly weapons or something. He must have really messed somebody up. I asked Steve, well, what, what happened? Why, why are you here? Steve told me he was at the bar with some friends uh, drinking, and then uh, some smaller guy came up to him and started picking on him. Steve brushed it off initially, but the guy continued. He kept pushing his buttons. Steve said that he was the biggest guy in the bar, and this little guy was just trying to pick a fight. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, this guy starts punching Steve in the stomach and ribs, going back and forth just wailing on him. Steve broke down and told me he's always been the big guy. He's never been in a fight, never had to because of his size. Because Steve never had been in a fight, he didn't know what to do. Steve grabbed a bottle from a table and hit the guy on the top of the head like a human whack-a-mole. The bar staff called the cops right when the little guy started fighting Steve, and they showed up right when Steve had hit the guy in the head with the bottle. The bottle caused a gash to the guy's uh, top of his head that required some medical attention. Uh, because Steve used an object causing bodily harm, Steve was arrested with assault with a deadly weapon. Really don't know what ever happened to Steve. Um, moral of the story is, don't pick on the big guy at the bar. He may not know how to fight, and I'll have to fight dirty sending you to the hospital. That was awesome. Thanks, Travis. So cool to get things from the perspective of an officer of the law. You always hear of little man syndrome. Tough smaller guys with a chip on their shoulder and something to prove. Sucks sometimes teddy bears like Big Steve just minding his business. Suddenly due to his size, he has a big target on his back. Hopefully he got out of prison unscathed and went back to normal life. Travis and I have been chatting back and forth, and he's someone I may come to in the future for advice when I'm confused about cases. He also says he has a lot of stories, so we'll no doubt be hearing from him again in the future, and I can't wait for that. He's one of the good guys. Funny enough, he told me he heard about the show after a recommendation from the Moms and Murder podcast, one that I also enjoy, and I am going to end this episode with a promo from these lovable ladies. 
Mandy and Melissa host a kick-ass podcast with the perfect mix of humor and crime. But I'll let them tell you all about it in a moment. As for myself, I'll be hanging out with you guys once again in 10 days' time with more tomfoolery. Peace. Take it away, ladies. Chickens, Diet Coke, reality TV, and murder don't seem like things that should go together, but somehow they do. If you're looking for your next binge-worthy podcast and you like your true crime light on the gore, then you should check out our show, Moms and Murder, a true crime podcast hosted by myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Each week, we give our take on a new crime story, balancing our delivery of facts and levity while still giving the stories the respect they deserve and making you feel like you're part of our conversation. Moms and Murder covers both the lesser known and the more familiar stories, and there are over 100 episodes to binge, so get started now. Search Moms and Murder on your favorite podcast app and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.